Welcome to the Casted Podcast. It's the destination for the most innovative and forward-thinking marketers in B2B, like you. Each week, I host conversations with brilliant marketing leaders on the tactics and tricks that they're harnessing to reach their revenue goals, rev their thought leadership engines, amplify their marketing voice in the marketplace, and ultimately drive real business results. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, and this is the Casted Podcast. I am the founder and CEO of Marketing AI Institute. We have our podcast is The Marketing AI Show, which we can get into an interesting story about how that is emerging as our largest and fastest growing channel. So I spend my time educating people about artificial intelligence, trying to make it make sense to the non-technical audience. And thank goodness you are. So before we get into that, because that's not new. I mean, you've been doing that for 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, it started in 2011, trying to figure it out. And I think I just kind of kept to myself about it for a couple of years because I didn't really understand what I was researching. <laughs> it was very abstract back then. It's abstract now, but it's it was very abstract back then because there was no one other than the technical AI researchers really talking about AI. So yeah, we you know wrote a little bit about it in my second book and then founded the Marketing AI Institute in 2016. So like officially started sharing what we were learning. Yeah, so I, I guess we've been at that for seven years. Fun fact, you were on the show, the podcast that I had in a past life, the show, it was called Marketer and Machine at a company called Amarsis. I remember. That has since been acquired by SAP. That's where I used to work. That was the show that led to Casted because I started this podcast with my marketing team and we were really frustrated by you know the fact that we couldn't get data and we couldn't attribute anything to the show and we couldn't do more with the show. So that show led to cast it and you were on that show and i think we were trying to decide to figure out when it was i think we're going to link to that episode in the show notes because it'll be interesting to hear what we talked about as far as ai but that was 2017 2018 so it's been a minute there's been a few things a few advancements right yeah and around that time was when a lot of stuff started changing unbeknownst to the world but i mean 2017 is when the transformer architecture was invented by google brain team which became the basis for GPT and all the language and all the innovation we're seeing in generative AI was actually kind of happening behind the scenes right around the time you and I met. And I think, I think we ran into each other in New York, maybe at an Amerisys event, and then we did the podcast. So yeah, it was some transformational time. We just didn't realize it at the moment. We didn't know. Who knew? (laughs) What could be happening now that we don't know about? Oh, there's a lot. (laughs) That's scary to think about. So it's kind of fun to to revisit now. And here you are again, I, I can't underscore enough. This is not a bandwagon thing. You weren't like, oh, marketing AI. Like you've been doing this for a very long time. And thank goodness you have because you are helping all the rest of us understand what the heck is happening in our our marketing worlds, in our personal worlds, in our business lives. Um, not too long ago, you and I were were both speaking at a couple of back-to-back events called Experience Inbound in Wisconsin. And some of the things that you shared blew me away as far as what's happening, how things are happening so quickly. Tell me a little bit, I don't even know how to ask this because you've, I mean, what you've seen over the last <laughs> 10 years has been wild, but like, how quickly have things escalated in like the last couple of weeks, months? Like, t- let's yeah. talk a little bit about like the speed at which things are happening. 
Yeah. So when I started studying it in 2011, 2012, there wasn't much. Like it was really hard to find examples of AI. It was a lot of theory. You heard about things happening in different industries like financial services and logistics. Like there was a book I read called Automate This by Christopher Steiner. And I read that in 2012. And he was talking about the application of these intelligent algorithms, which is just like a set of rules that tells the machine what to do, being applied in all these different industries. And I was like, oh, cool. So what are we doing in marketing? That was kind of like the moment where you realize, oh, we're not actually doing any of this stuff. And that was where I kind of really started researching. So from like 2012 to 2022, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of integration of AI into marketing and sales and customer service. But a lot of it was more in the kind of what we call the machine learning element, which is a subset of AI. And machine learning takes data in and makes, makes predictions or recommendations on the other side. So you can see that in, you know, you mentioned up front, like Netflix, learning shows and movies you like, Spotify, learning the shows you like or the music you like. So personalizations, recommendations. What happened in 2022 was the generative AI movement. So first with Dolly 2 on image generation in spring, and then ChatGPT just changed everything because it accelerated one, the value people could get out of AI right away, but two, just that anyone could use it and see it for themselves. And so by January of 2023, you had over 100 million people had tried ChatGPT. So now we went from largely the business world and marketing world not knowingly having used AI, because if you ask them, it's like, I don't, I don't know that I use it, to like, oh, yeah, I, I've used MidJourney and ChatGPT and I'm playing around with Bard. And so now all of a sudden, everyone has access to these tools and that's the thing that's changed is just the accessibility of it and the time to value because now you can just go get any you know SaaS product that's using ai for like you know under 100 bucks a month and the case of chat plus 20 dollars a month and you can start doing stuff you couldn't have even imagined six months ago it's wild yeah six days ago I'm, I'm sure you run into a lot of people. I remember the the room that we were in where you were keynoting and you were just blowing everyone's minds. I mean, just looking around the room, people were just wide-eyed and like mouth open a little bit. Just like, I knew it was here. I knew, I knew that this was a thing, but like, yeah. what is, what is already here, what is already upon us, even just specifically in marketing is bananas. Right. And so Let's let's kind of level the playing field a little bit because there are people who are in it every single day who are trying all the things and know the difference between ChatGPT and all the other stuff. Like there's there's the people who are you know the early adopters who are fully in it, and then there's a lot of other people who at, at all ranges of seniority, you know, from CMO and CEO level down to interns who are just I don't I don't know what this is, I don't know what this means for me, I don't know where to start. So what are some of the basics that you find to be most helpful for marketers specifically as they're getting their heads around what the heck is happening, whether it's whether it's some details about the tech or even just like a state of mind to be in, like kind of where should people even get their head starting to be wrapped around this whole situation? Yeah, it is a very abstract and overwhelming topic because people I think still largely think of it as sci-fi. Mm -hmm. like it's just not, it's the kind of stuff you see in movies. But we always try and simplify it down to, it's just this, like the, my favorite definition is the science of making machines smart. And if you replace machines with software, it makes it a lot more digestible. So if you do email marketing or podcasting or blogging or advertising or social media, whatever you do, you use software products. 
And so those software products are getting smarter. They're being infused with the ability to make recommendations, make predictions, generate content, improve content you've already created. So that's basically what's happening is all of marketing and sales and service is just going to start getting smarter and the mm -hmm. software will get smarter. And it's not going to necessarily always be you have to go find these tools there, what's what's going to happen this year is Microsoft is going to infuse these capabilities right into Office, and Google is going to infuse them into Workspace. So now every business, and again, not just marketing, sales, service, but every function of business is going to have generative AI capabilities at your fingertips for spreadsheets and Word documents and PowerPoint presentations. And so that's kind of the world we're heading into is where we're all going to be using these things. And again, to go back to how you started this, in our personal lives, we have been using AI and all these different applications and not really thinking about it. And that's what's going to happen in marketing and businesses. It's just going to be ever present. It's going to be assistive to you and all of you do. And that's the best way to think about it is truly as a really like a super powered assistant that can help you do everything you do in when it comes to knowledge work. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that you said that because there's there's obviously, I mean, I don't have to even say this, there's there's so much fear about bots taking over and machines taking jobs and there's there's certainly change coming. There's change here. There's change already that's happened. But one thing that when we were together at that event not long ago where you kind of left off your talk and I picked up and it was how, again, the most human brands have and always will win. And sure, you can be in the state of mind of, hey, where can machines replace work and replace humans and do this for me and create the content? Like, sure, you can do that. And you even illustrated that in your talk, like the things that are already happening, the things that can already be created and just completely manufactured by machines. Or like you just said, the technology that's available can assist the humans to be more creative, to be more human, to be richer, um, more authentic. And that's not so scary. That's really exciting. So tell, tell me more about that, your, whether it's from your, your feelings, because again, we didn't even get into this. Like you're a marketer. You're not a technologist. Like you had PR 2020. You, you are a, a marketer. So from with that brain, where does this land with you? And, um, kind of that difference of replacing versus assisting. At a, at a macro level, I do see it impacting all knowledge work, all creative work. So whether you're a designer or, you know, on the media side or you're a content creator, like it's going to impact you. Now, impact doesn't mean replace, though. And so I do think that there are some companies and there are even some professionals who will take a lot of shortcuts because this technology can enable you to create massive amounts of content um, much more efficiently than historically you were able to. So you're going to have some people who say, oh, okay, we don't need all these writers. We can just start creating all this content and driving our traffic with some AI-generated content. So it's not that this isn't going to happen, but I think that the the good companies, the good brands, the good leaders are going to look at this and say, okay, how do we assist our team in, in being more creative, unlocking uh, productivity gains? And how do we redistribute some of that time saved to do other interesting things? And so, you know, the point you brought up, like my true belief is we're all going to have, we already have the ability to create content at scale with AI. But I personally, I'm not that interested in that because I don't want to read something written 
by I, 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 I'm a writer by trade, so I love the process of writing. It's how I think. So I have no desire for AI to replace that because it's how I do what I do. And then when it comes to my loyalty to brands and the people I follow online and the people I trust, I want to know that it's their point of view, that they have thought critically about topics. They didn't just go into ChatGPT and give it a prompt of, you know, what's the impact of AI and knowledge work? And here's the 10 things that ChatGPT said. It's like, no, I, I want to know from you, your experience, you as an entrepreneur, but, you know, a marketer. And so I think podcasts, videos, live events, like all these things where it's really hard to fake a point of view, that's the stuff to me that's going to become more valuable to brands. And I think that as consumers of information, we're going to seek out the stuff that we know is coming from an actual person. I think when we all have access to create content, it sort of commoditizes that and it'll drive us to seek the stuff that we know isn't just a simple prompt and output. It's so true. It's it's going to get a whole lot noisier. It already is, you know, this, yeah. this noisy space that we're all in trying to reach our customers, trying to reach our audiences is just going to get that much harder because people can create more content. And so it's just going to get louder. And one thing that you and I talked about was you know, the one, those who who continue to just double down on the human experience and the human connection and opinions, like you said, like sharing opinions and hot takes and not just the amalgamation of what already is, but the the unique perspective that only a human brain can interject into the yeah. world, you know? I think a good way to look at it is like chess was AI became superhuman at chess probably a decade ago. So there's no top chess player in the world that could defeat a top AI agent. And yet we don't watch two AIs play each other in chess. Same with Texas Hold'em poker. AI dominates that. We don't watch AIs playing each other. Like at the end of the day, it's a novelty. I mean, there's even podcasts right now where you have AI generated whole thing, the script, the the voice. It's a novelty. Like, oh, that's clever. Am I going to choose to listen to AI talking to AI? No, because it makes stuff up. It hallucinates. It's probably not the actual person. So I'll listen to it. And it's like, yeah, it's like, fine. It's clever. But okay, now I want to go back and listen to Lindsay. Like I, I, so I just really feel like a lot of this is more novelty and shortcuts people will take. But at the end of the day, we're still going to want to interact with and hear from humans. Some of the different scenarios that exist, like that, that do exist right now, are a really good point. Like there's there's the deep fakes of Tom Cruise. Yeah. That doesn't mean I want to watch the deep fake of Tom Cruise in the next right. Mission Impossible. Like I want to watch. Well, it's Tom Cruise, like, yeah. and and same thing. Like, this could have all been generated by AI. This whole conversation, but it wouldn't have been the same. It would have, right. it, you know. So, when you take a step back and you 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 release yourself from the fear and you just think about your own human experience and say, yeah, but what would I want to listen to? What would I want to consume when I'm seeking engagement or entertainment or you know education? And typically, it's people. And and then yeah. how can how can the tech? How can the AI? How can the machines help? deliver those conversations to more people or or make that entire capturing and dissemination of that content easier faster you know how can again going back to your words how can it assist the marketer the creator in in that effort that's my hope and i i do think that's where it's all going and whether it's written word or audio or images or videos like i, I just feel like it 
the end of the day, the AI stuff is a, is a bit of a novelty and it'll be there part of the creative process, but mm-hmm. you still want the human heavily involved in the yeah. creation of anything for it to be interesting. For sure. And let's get into you personally, because um, something else you shared in the talk was that, so you're a writer, mm-hmm. that's that's your DNA. And I think you shared like your wife and your daughter are both very like artists or aspiring mm-hmm. artists as far as your daughter and your son's really into design and, and video games and stuff. So what is what does AI look like? I mean, this is your life. Like, what does that look like in in these interactions that you have with with your family and, you know, talking about careers and, you know, creativity? Like how how are you actually leaning into or or responding to AI in, in those interactions? Yeah, as a parent, it's very interesting because my kids are 11 and 10, and my daughter has been somewhat resistant to AI, <laughs> I, th- I think to put it lightly. She doesn't like it. And and I think because her first real interaction was Dolly 2, where it could create artwork. And so for her, that's her dream job. And so to see it do something that she wants to be, like that's just, she doesn't want to accept that. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of conversations around, you know, that that this is the thing is we have to understand what it's capable of and we have to find ways to to use it. But there's people who already have a profession who have these same feelings as her. They are artists and they're feeling threatened by the AI. So we have a lot of conversations, but she's been very resistant to it until like about a week ago, actually. She had to do a quiz and it asked for an image to go with the question. And so she was searching Google images. And I said, well, I, you don't have the rights to those pictures. Like those are someone else's things. We can't just take it and put it in. And she said, oh, so I was explaining copyright and all this stuff. I said, what we can do though is use Dolly and we can create an image. And she just kind of gave me that look like, oh no, I see oh, what you're yeah. doing here. Yeah. And I was like, well, just let's try it. <laughs> so we had to create like a yellow teddy bear and we did and we used it within it. So it was like, did, you know, it was a use of AI for a specific purpose that I felt was better than just going to Google Image and just taking you know something. Yeah. And she seemed to start to like open up a little bit to this concept. Now my son is like his first interaction is he saw I was playing around with something on my screen when he came into my office and he goes, "What's that?" And I explained ChatGPT. And he goes, oh, that's kind of cool. How's that work? And so I said, well, let's, you know, make up a, like, do you have a video game you'd want to design? And he, so he gave me this, like, blue stick figure thing he wanted to do. And it wrote, like, the whole video game concept and how the interactions would work, how the user controls work. And he's just like, oh, my gosh, like, how about this? And so we started doing all kinds of stuff, like creating Pokemon characters and Pokemon regions to the point where, like, every night he was like, hey, can we re- create another story in ChatGPT? Don't read me a story. Let's create a story. Yeah. Cool. And, and that... But the cool thing is that he then takes it and starts like, oh, you know what else it could do? And so now it was used as an ideation tool, not replacing it. And then he would go and like draw the things that the AI was conceiving of. So it's a very, I'm trying to be very, very cautious and also recognizing my kid's school doesn't yet have a public point of view on this. And so I'm trying to not overstep boundaries and teach them stuff that maybe their school doesn't want them doing it's tricky it's very hard as a parent to let's be honest like you know more about ai than a lot of people do right now so yeah it's like you have to be selective in how you apply that knowledge (laughs) so i think one thing that you shared about that story with your son is is super super cool and like kudos Mm. to you because that's that's really really awesome Uh, my kids are about the same age so and we are not doing that. We're, we're starting. We're starting to have those conversations. But 
what you said about how he's thinking about these things, I think is, is super important. And I want, I want our, our audience here to listen to that because it's not, it's not, a, it's a kind of approaching it like a child, you know, and being really yeah. like eyes wide open and saying, how could this, how could this help me? How can this help me learn? How can this help me be more creative? Because that's, that's what our kids are asking is how can this help me do what I want to do? Not how can I keep doing what I'm doing either for or against AI? How can I keep like doing this one thing and, and interject AI into it? Or how can I resist it completely? It's like your son is thinking about this whole thing differently about not like he's, he's saying, how can I create this story? Like, and thinking about things differently and going to bed, thinking about like new paths and new logic and new streams to go down. And I think that's, he's being inspired and he's, yeah. he's taking that creativity and, and saying, how can this technology help me continue to fuel this imagination, which is so cool. Yeah. And what I did with like with him in particular, especially when we did like the Pokemon characters, I actually went through and said, now, how do you think it was doing this? Like, what's the pattern in the naming convention? And so we actually went through because then again, it almost like unlocks a whole different layer of creativity for him if he realizes how it did that. And so we did the same thing with the different regions and the characters and tried to analyze what was it doing. And then again, saying like, okay, now you go do your thing. And, you know, not relying on the AI, but letting them come back every once in a while for, as you're saying, inspiration. Um, that's how I'm trying to do it. Yep. I, which I think is awesome. I think that's so, that's so cool because yeah. it's, it's not about replacing. It's not about doing something instead of. It's about, you know, your words earlier, assisting and inspiring and it's in serving like i think that's that's where all of our minds need to be so yeah. and it's how i'm using it honestly too like i use it for ideation summarization transcription like i i use the tools but not for writing like i yeah. don't i just don't want it for writing that's it's what i love to do and it's how i think <laughs> i love it i love it okay so switching gears a little bit you have a show mm -hmm. you mentioned it earlier it is called it was the name again so everybody can listen to it the marketing ai show that's a great name for a podcast yeah. about marketing AI. So tell me a little bit about your experience podcasting. So how long have you been doing it? And I know you've had some really great results. So what, what has that looked like for you? And, and you've gotten increasingly more busy over the last yeah. several months, yet you're still making it a priority. So tell me about your experience with podcasting. So I, I believe we started it in 2019. Um, around the time of our first marketing AI conference. And we did some interviews with some of the speakers to start. And the plan was that I was going to do an interview a week. We were going to go get AI experts, entrepreneurs, researchers. And I was going to, it was like one big thing. Like, like they had a research paper that just came out or they raised around to funding or whatever. That was the kind of the focus. And then there would be like a rapid fire. So it was great. Like we did, I don't know, I did like 10 of them, but it took me like a year to do 10 of them and or maybe maybe longer and so my team just kept saying like when are you gonna like get going on the podcast so finally in um fall of 2022 before chat gpt i actually went to our chief content officer and i said listen i have a new idea for how to do this so everybody can get off my back about the podcast because i was not envisioning the podcast as like a core driver of our audience it was more of like we just got to do it so and i think it was in october of 22 my concept was there was enough news now happening in AI, and I felt like there was there was a bit of a shift occurring to where everyone was starting to understand the impact it was going to have. 
So I said, let's do three main topics each week and then a rapid fire and you just interview me and we'll pick these topics each week. Each topic will become a blog post and a YouTube video and then we'll splice them up. And so basically, and then we'll have an overall summary. So we'll have four pieces of blog content, four pieces of podcast content, and then all of our social shares. Did you amplify all that content? Yeah, and that'll basically become the content strategy. So rather than him trying to figure out the three to five blog posts each week, it's just like, this is it. So what we do is we started this in October. We keep in Zoom, we keep a chat going for each episode. And throughout the week, we just drop links in there. Like these are, and I'll say like main topic or rapid fire. He then curates those on Sunday nights. And then Monday morning, we record it and Tuesday it goes live. And then Kathy on our team kind of splices it up into all the different videos. Mike then takes it and turns it into all the blog posts. So it was a content amplification play. I had honestly never even looked at our podcast data. Like I had no idea how many downloads we had. I wasn't even sure what the KPIs were, honestly, that I needed to be paying attention to. So we started doing this uh, sometime in late October, early November. It, It was good, like from a forcing function internally to process the information, but as soon as Chat GPT came out, the numbers just took off. And I, but I actually didn't even know it because I wasn't watching the numbers. I started getting people reaching out on LinkedIn saying, loving the podcast. And I was like, who, who the hell are these people? Like, what are, I don't even know who these people are. People are listening to the podcast. So we went and checked the numbers and we started seeing that it was, it was like an exponential growth curve. It was like jumped. And so I don't know how many downloads we had before, but I want to say it was like less than three to 500 a month, maybe. And between November of last year and, you know, end of May of this year, we're up to 23,000 downloads a month now. Yeah. So it just like (laughs) took off. And so the first 24 hours went from, you know, a few dozen to now it'll be, I I think it's like 2,400, 2,500 the last couple and so, yeah, I mean, they're they're averaging now over like 4,000 downloads an episode, and it's definitely just t- taken off. And like I said, it, it was it was sort of by accident. It was the second, I would say it was a very secondary benefit to grow the audience. It has now become a big focus because now, I mean, you double down on what's working. So, yeah, it's become a, a core driver. It's critical for us to stay on top of these things because a lot of times what would previously happen is, something interesting would happen in AI and we would share the link internally. And then that's it. Like if Mike got a chance, he would write a blog post about it. But so often all this critical stuff going on, if I wasn't writing a LinkedIn post about it, then we just weren't talking about it. So the growth is awesome. I love the audience. I love everything that's happening. But to me, the most important value of the podcast is the forcing function for us to do something with this news and information as it's happening and uh, it's been invaluable for us to keep up with everything that's going on. Man. Okay. So there's a lot there. One, yeah. the power of amplification. I'm not going to like let that one go. That's huge because you yeah. you all were doing that kind of from the get-go, like right along. Yeah. That's what Kasten's been advocating for. That's what you've been doing. You have a conversation, you ring it out. And especially when you hit on a topic that's super, super... Now, not everything's going to be chat GPT during this time, right. but you hit on a topic that's really relevant to your audience it does it. It's not just the show. It's literally, it's everything you're doing. And then you hit it on all across all channels and and you do start to see results. I think that's important. And then I think also the forcing function, people don't talk about that enough. And it's really important because it keeps, it keeps you and your team same here. It keeps me like having these conversations and, and sharing the information that you do. I mean, it keeps you up to date. It's the forcing function. And then it's a really great, really 
efficient way of disseminating information. Frankly, it's a lot easier to have a conversation to talk about something than it is to be like, okay, I'm I'm Paul and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go through all these things and I'm going to write, you know, five blog posts. Like you don't have time, but you can yeah. you can talk about it and you know just into your brain process and and you know spit it out with you know the thoughts and and again going back to earlier in the conversation your unique perspectives as a human being with a brain and in your lived experiences yep. like that whole entire thing is is a great example of how this whole thing works so yeah and the other thing it forced me to do is so like i don't write for our blog very often and i, I mean as a writer like you have to keep writing it's like anything you have to just stay in it and so we had decided sometime last year that LinkedIn was going to be a really critical component of our growth strategy. And so I was trying to regularly write for LinkedIn and we were starting to see some impact. But this became the forcing function there, too, because what happens is like, you know, if something occurs, I will actually stop, write three to four hundred words, put it on LinkedIn, and then I'll drop that in our Zoom chat. And Mike will actually use the perspective and point of view like I provided in LinkedIn as his talking points leading in for each topic. And so a lot of times the three main topics we touch on each week are things that I had already provided a perspective on on LinkedIn. And then we just expand on that in the podcast. That's, that is so cool. Thank you for sharing <laughs> like your process and like your numbers and everything. Because again, I think a lot of conversations like these are very esoteric. They're very high level. Like, oh yeah, podcasting is important, but you're super busy and this is a this is a priority for you and outside looking in just observations is what what you're saying yeah. you're not looking at it as this thing over here on the side like i'm doing like you're doing your life and you're doing your career and you're running you know marketing ai institute and all these things and then over here on the side like oh now i've got to go record this podcast like how can i get it as off my plate as possible how can i just show up for the conversations how can i just show up to record you're actually again from my perspective it seems like you're completely flipping that perspective that we hear very often, just flipping it out its head and saying, no, this needs to be core. This is a core part of your your week to week, day to day. Yeah, it's the top of the pyramid for us now because it also, our weekly newsletter is also now driven by that. So the weekly newsletter kind of recaps the three main topics. So yeah, we took the the podcast from being sort of the forgotten thing on the side because for me to do an episode of an interview with an expert was a lot of my personal time to go find the expert, develop the Q&A, schedule it. Do, and even if I had an assistant, I was still, it had to be me to do the interview. And there was just no way to scale that given all of my other commitments. So the, the, the key for us was flipping the format to something that was scalable, which is me showing up and talking for an hour each week. And then integrating, you know, 10, 10, 15 minutes a day to put something on LinkedIn. And that became the cascading effect for all of our other content and thought leadership. So, yeah, it became this almost afterthought in this very short period of time to be the core component of everything we do. That's very cool. Okay, so to tie it all together, you are, you know, a lot about AI and you're doing a podcast to like oversimplify this entire thing. Tell me a little bit about what you see coming our way, specifically in podcasting and video content, like for shows, as it, as it relates to AI, good, bad, or otherwise. There's going to be a lot of ways people use it for podcasting. So we currently use it in a number of ways, from transcription of the audio to writing summarization. So we'll take the transcript, drop it in, have it write a summary of it. 
we use it in production to clean up the audio, clean up the video. You, you know, you can use kind of these obvious things. I, it is very good. We've tested GPT-4 at scripting. So I, I do think some people, again, you find the things that maybe you're not super efficient at or you don't enjoy about the process. You take all the tactical things that goes into doing a podcast and say, okay, these are the five things. Like, I just don't even enjoy doing these. Like, they have to happen. Like, for example, curation of the news. We do that because we read hundreds of things every week, so we can pick the things. But you can go into GPT-4 and say, give me the top AI news of the day and use the browser extension and it will give it to you. And you can do the same thing in Bard. So like if if you're struggling to keep up with that aspect and apply that to whatever your podcast is about, you can use it for curation. So basically all the different components, there's, there's ways you can use it. It's just how you want to choose to use it. That's going to be up to you. But I mean, anything where audio, video, images, or text is generated, AI can, with today's technology, assist in that. It's just how you choose to do it. And then there's incredible tools being developed. Like we use Descript, um, you know, for our transcription and summarization and some of our uh, cleaning up of the video and stuff. And I mean, there's just going to be so many tools built to do this stuff. Like just recently saw, was it Adobe put their like generative fill or whatever they call the feature where you have an image. And I saw like some cool stuff where people taking like album cover images and then saying like, what is, what was surrounding that? And it's just like, you you couldn't even imagine that capability before. And now you see it and you're like, oh my gosh, this unlocks so many cool things. I think the same thing's going to happen with podcasting. And it's almost hard to like imagine what that is. Like one that jumps to mind is the music you use, your bumper music. You can totally do that now. Like just use an AI generated, tell it what you want it to sound like. Yeah, just going to be dozens of use cases will be unlocked. And it's really fun to think about. I mean, again, it you can you can be afraid or you can be excited and a little bit of both. But I think you're right. I think there's a lot happening in this space faster than we can even imagine. So Yeah, it's hard to keep up with. Yeah. Okay. So that said, you have an event coming up very shortly. Tell us a little bit about what it is, where it is, when it is, and um, yeah. Marketing AI Conference or Macon. It's just Macon.ai, M-A-I-C-O-N.ai. This is our fourth year. We were our first one was 2019. We had 300 attendees from 12 countries, and then you know 2020 happened to all of us, and mm-hmm. it didn't happen. <laughs> and then 2021 we were virtual. 2022 we were back in person, and 2023 seems back to like full go. It is uh, our goal was 400 attendees. We have we're, we're blowing past that, so it's it's doing quite well. We're really excited about it. Uh, it'll be at the Cleveland Convention Center right across from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Lake Erie. If you've ever been to there or not, oh, yeah. you know, come and check out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Science Center. So, yeah, July 26th to the 28th, it should be incredible. We're hoping for six to 700 attendees, and it's an amazing lineup of people that I'm hoping to learn from. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty diverse agenda. We are going to get into AI safety and ethics. We're going to get into use cases and technologies. We're going to get into sort of what comes next with some futurist looking stuff. So nice. should be really valuable for people. Very cool. Absolutely. And I don't think you'll have any problem hitting your number, blowing it out of the water, doubling it. Without I hope it'd be, it'd be nicer than past years where I was just grinding yeah. to try and get 200 people to show up. Exactly. And then also here's your book. The book. Yes. Yeah, marketing artificial intelligence again sensing a theme here that came out in summer of 2022 so it was before chat gpt 
but we wrote it knowing the technology was going to keep changing. So, so much of the book is, is frameworks and history and, and things that are still highly relevant. The main thing that changes is the actual applications you can go get. So it's broken into like, there's 10 chapters about all these different applications of AI across marketing categories. It's a really valuable read in terms of just understanding where we are, where we're going and how you can apply it to your career. It really is, honestly, for, for marketers just hoping to get that foundation as a, and I can't recommend that enough because it's don't just jump into what a specific piece of tech does like get the foundation for like why it is how it is the context and and how far we've come and what it means for us as marketers and that's a really great place to start so yeah it's a huge opportunity in your career i mean everyone's afraid everyone's kind of unsure about it and the people who just get past that and figure out how to apply it and how to help other people in their company who are also unsure they're the ones that are going to have just an enormous opportunity in their careers moving forward, whatever those roles might be. Like there's just going to be new jobs created. We don't even know yet. And if you dive in now and start to really understand and experiment with it, you'll be at the forefront of what those are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being here for podcast number two. Who knows what third one that we do will be about <laughs> um, at this point, but thanks for being here and I can't wait to see what's next. Thanks for having me. Hey, that's our show. Thanks for joining in. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, and you can find me on Twitter at CastedLindsay and on LinkedIn. You know the drill. If you like this show, you'll like our other episodes too. So consider subscribing, sharing with others, and maybe even leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're ready to harness the power of podcasting for your brand strategy, make sure that you click the link in our show notes to subscribe to the Casted newsletter and to all of our shows. You can also go to casted.us for the latest content from our team of experts to yours. Until next time. <laughs>